had a couple of very exciting finishes on Saturday. Collingwood's win over North Melbourne and the Gold Coast Suns over Richmond. We knew, we do know that Timmy Hodges is a devout Collingwood supporter. I wonder whether he was having heart palpitations watching that match Saturday. Good morning, Timmy. Uh, good morning, Jared. Morning for you. It was a, it was a, uh, that was an afternoon on Saturday for sure, being a Collingwood supporter. But um, I think it's a sign of a really good team, which is probably not what we expected from Collingwood. That um, they're in a rebuilding phase, but they continue to um, uh, defy expectations. And to get out of that on Saturday with four points was enormous for them and for their chances of well making September and getting up as high as they possibly can. Yeah, so a really mature performance. That was. Um, they were a mess, really, through that game. They were in an unwinnable position and still somehow found a way to win. So, yeah, horrible for North Melbourne, but uh, enormous for, for the Magpies. But what a, what a, what a weekend of, um, of upsets, of results we never expected. And I think it's um, really breathed new life into to what we've got to look forward to over the next two and a half months. I agree with you there. I guess the one thing, and we'll get to the Suns game in a, in a moment, Noah Anderson, he had no choice. He had to take that kick and nailed it. But young Dacos, uh, he backed himself. It's good to see these youngsters doing it because he did have a couple of other options. You know, he could have gone, he could have sent that kick, but to put it through, it was just the momentum that they needed, Collingwood. Yeah, yeah, and, and they were still nearly, nearly two goals down at that time as well. It was just, um, it's amazing that a teenager in his first season, is probably Collingwood's best player at the moment. So, um, in a way, you feel a little bit for Nathan Buckley, Jared. that this is a kid that he knew was coming. They've known Nick yeah. Dacos has been coming for, for four or five years, and he just missed him by a year. And imagine if Nick Dacos was there last year to help Nathan Buckley through, and you know he may not have been fired and may still be there. And it, it, But just you know, how lucky then for Craig McRae on the flip side that in his first season as a senior coach... Nick Dacos walks into the football club, um, son of an icon, and I mean, from what we've seen in his first 12 games, he, he might be heading towards the, the same lofty standards as as his father. Um, you know, Peter's was my idol growing up with number 35 on his back, and then he's for his for his two boys now to be playing for Collingwood, but for Nick, his youngest, he looks. I, I Jared, you wouldn't remember Peter Dacos running around like he looks identical to him. And then yeah. the fact he's got number 35 on his back as well and he's kicking snags from the boundary line 45 metres out from an impossible angle. Like, that is just... He's got... Uh, it's his father he, to a T. I was going to say, he's got what his father had, a lot of self-belief, which you very yeah. rarely see in youngsters in this day and age. Yeah, and, I mean, Peter did spend some time in the midfield, but he was mostly a forward. Uh, but this Nick might become, you know, as a premier midfielder in the game that we've seen. So, yeah... Uh, Look, they're doing great things. In North Melbourne, they just don't know how to win. Coming into this season. Timmy, we had you on Friday morning, and we said if the Doggies were to lose to the Swans on Friday night, they would join the Gold Coast Suns in Port Adelaide on missing out on the finals. Now, as things have gone over the weekend, but yes, the Western Bulldogs did lose, but the Gold Coast Suns were fantastic, and now the Doggies, the Suns in Port only find themselves one win out of eighth position, and that was because the Suns beat Richmond. So it's getting very congested there for that eighth position there with St Kilda to see who'll play finals footy this year. The Suns are not out of it now. No, they're not out of it, but they really need a lot of luck to go their way. They have to win everything, and then they have to hope for other teams to not win everything. So uh, it's now out of their hands a bit. So uh, to be honest, I look at that eight, and I think it's set. 
uh, I'd be surprised if it changed. But we've been surprised all season long with everything that's happened in AFL. So it still could change. So, yeah, the best thing they can do is just keep on winning. Um, you know, for Gold Coast, what the morale that would be in that football club today would be enormous. Um, after what happened in that final term. Like, that was an unwinnable position. Like, it's like Collingwood. It was an amazing day of football on Saturday just to watch one game into the next. And um, it was awesome. What a great moment for that footy club, for Noah Anderson to live through, for the for the sellout crowd at Metricon. Like, it was, it was the place was rocking. It looked fantastic on TV. Um, so you sort of hope that they can make a real run for it now. Stuart Jew's got his new contract. Um, there's so much positivity at the Suns. So, yeah, I hope they can still winning and keep knocking on the door and maybe they can... But then they've got to hope for the Tigers to keep stuffing up. So that's the thing. I, I just can't imagine Richmond dropping out of the eight to open up that position for someone to go into it. So, yeah, all they can do is keep winning. Well, Richmond have got North Melbourne this week. You'd think that would be a victory. But the Gold Coast, it's a tricky little match now uh, on Sunday. They travel south to take on Essendon. Uh, exactly. That's the, that's the problem for them. They, they have to be perfect from now on mm. and I, I think that's just too difficult for them and that you know that's as soon as this Sunday so yeah credit to the Bombers they're, they're going to be a bit of a wrecking ball I think over the next um, six weeks um, what they did to Brisbane yesterday was you know the lines were and Chris Fagan admitted this after the game that said that our team is um, a shell of what it normally is we're missing half of our team and you know on top of all of their injury woes they've then had COVID go through the place so um, you can give them a mulligan for yesterday but uh, gee, that hurts the Lions. Uh, but credit to, to Essendon for going up there, for, for playing the best game they've played all year and getting the four points. You know, good for them. Timmy, we, we currently see Frio sitting in third place, Carlton in fifth and Collingwood in sixth. Who of those three have been the biggest surprise? Because I think a lot of fans wouldn't have had any of those three in the eight at the start of the season. Well, I think Fremantle has been terrific and I, I reckon it was it's their time to, to jump up. So I would have... Ha- that's no great surprise for me. I think Carlton has probably exceeded expectation um, in Michael Voss's first year, and, and we've probably spoken enough about Collingwood, but they've been an absolute surprise. Um, but I think Fremantle, I, I have them, I have them in, in the top bracket, to be perfectly honest, guys, with what they've got at their disposal, with the fact that Nat Fife has only played a handful of games and he's only going to get better with each game, and by September he should be absolutely cherry ripe. You know, this is a guy who's won two. Brownlow medals. I've got the Dockers, especially if they can, if they could jump into the top two, would be uh, enormous because then they they get home finals in week one, and if they win that in week three to get them to a grand final, I, I think the Dockers can make a serious play for for grand final day. And if you can make it, then why can't you win it? So yeah, yeah the Dockers for mine probably the uh, not the biggest surprise, but the biggest statement because I think they can they can go a hell of a long way with what Justin Longmuir is doing this season. And the fact that most of their team are having absolute breakout seasons, yeah, Andrew Brayshaw is becoming perhaps, you know, he's putting together a Brownlow medal winning year, the, the, the form he's in and continues to continues to rack up possessions at will. So, you know, he's playing the role that that five normally plays. So, yeah, uh, I think the Dockers are probably wowing everyone with, with what they're doing. It's certainly opened up. Uh, you know, we thought Melbourne perhaps might be on the way back with those two wins, but uh, they came back to earth with a rather large thud on Thursday night. So all of a sudden, you know, we've got them still there. Geelong, Fremantle, uh, and you're quite right. I, I, I agree. They have been the biggest improver this season. Brisbane's still there. Carlton, Richmond, and, and then even the likes of, of Sydney and Collingwood. So there are several chances. And just on that, Brown, I just had a look in. 
Andrew Brayshaw, equal favourite now with Lockie Neal at 3.75. Yeah, I just think the weight of numbers has got Andrew Brayshaw to a position where it's like, well, surely he has to be in the mix because he's had that much of the ball and he hasn't had Nat Five around him. So there's not many others stealing votes from him. I just love the fact that I hope I'm, I'm very wary of my signal, guys. I policing out if it's not working. But um, I, I just love the fact that it has opened up this competition with the Demons last month and a half of being pretty ordinary. And I love the fact that that's happened because, uh, you know, we'd spoken a lot about it that I reckon Melbourne, you know, it was who's going to who's gonna meet Melbourne in the grand final was the conversation right. in the first three months of the season. And who's probably going to provide the runners-up position because I think the Demons is heading towards back-to-back. The fact that they had lost three leading into the bye and then they've lost another couple in the month after the bye shows that they're not invincible, but they're actually vulnerable and they're not playing good football at the moment, and they're not playing good football across the board, that their defence was leaking goals. Their midfield has been beaten, which they never were, especially in the run home last year, and their forward line is a bit dysfunctional. So, like, it's not as if Simon Goodwin can just, you know, plug Max Gorn back in and everything works. He he plugged Max Gorn back in, and it's just sort of putting an exclamation mark that nothing's working, even though the captain is back. So, I mean, the perfect thing for them is that this is happening in July. Like, imagine if this was happening in late August. They they wouldn't be able to fix it. And and Matthew Lloyd was really strong on that yesterday on Channel 9 on the footy show, saying that there's no way they could win the premiership if this was happening in September because they've got so many problems. The fact that it is only July, they can... They can easily fix them, and I still have them as my favourites for the Premiership, but you can make a case for Geelong, absolutely, from what I saw last Thursday. I was down there, and the the Cats, with the weapons they have, and with Jeremy Cameron and Tom Hawkins in their forward line, I mean, they can win a Premiership easily, and this might be Chris Scott's best-ever team in Geelong. I've already made the case for Fremantle. I think Carlton, with what we saw last night with Harry McKay and, and Charlie up forward, they are absolutely potent. So, yeah, I think it's great for the competition. It's alive. And, you know, why can't five, six, seven teams be seriously... Even Richmond, who are in eighth, who are just hanging on, think that if we get at our best and we have a great couple of games in September, we can make the run for for a very unlikely flag. Timmy, uh, Monday night, who's in the coach's box tonight for you at at AFL 360? Uh, We've got one winner and one loser. So Sam Mitchell, the Hawks were so was so good yesterday, um, got the win, and he's joined by GWS Giants um, uh, interim coach Mark McVeigh, so Sam Mitchell and Mark McVeigh. And uh, tragically, guys, we were supposed to have Paul Deere at the desk this Wednesday. So this coming Sunday was the big Paul Deere uh, pancreatic cancer fundraising game. And um, just I was shell-shocked. Uh, yeah, on Saturday morning when I woke up and, and realised that he'd passed. So, yeah, just um, horrible news for the Hawks and... Uh, I think Sam Mitchell will be pretty emotional tonight with, with what that club's lived through with Ray Gunston passing during the week and, and then Paul Deere, the, the Premiership star, the former Norm Smith medalist, um, passing on the weekend. Yeah, it's been a tough week for the Hawks and, gee, he was a good player, Paul Deere. That Norm Smith medal that he won, he completely dominated that day. Yeah, so, I mean, he, I don't know how much time you got, guys, but he sort of was playing the role of Neil Danaher that he didn't want to have a cause that he had to champion because it meant he had it, uh, but he was that was him for, for pancreatic cancer and... So this Sunday was supposed to be the big charity game, Hawthorne versus West Coast coming. Um, he, he was going to do all the media to try and raise as much funds and raise as much awareness as possible. And um, unfortunately, just... Uh, and and if, even last Friday, like, we'd, we'd booked him into 360 this week that he was coming in with his wife, Cherie. And, yeah, just just a, a terrible Friday night for him. And, and he passed away. So, yeah, just, just horrible, horrible news there. 
Timmy, you've got 30 seconds to talk about uh, supercars. Shane Van Gisbergen and Anton Di Pasquale don't seem to be very friendly at the moment. No, they're not. It was, it was an awesome moment for, for De Pasquale to have a crack at the final turn on the final lap to get past Van Gisbergen. They clashed. Uh, Van Gisbergen was turned around. I, I, I hate the stewards in supercars at the moment that they just ping everyone for everything. I sort of love NASCAR where they, you know, boys have at it is their attitude. I would have loved them to just let it go and for that would have really spiced things up. But then after the race, um, the Pasquale went to apologise. Van Gisbergen didn't want a bar of it. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's nice and spicy ahead of Tail and Bend in South Australia in a couple of weeks' time when they're back on track. Good on you, Timmy. We'll chat later in the week. Yeah, good on you. Thanks, guys. I'll chuck this phone out and get a new one. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Thanks Tim. There he is, Tim Hodges from AFL 360.